For today's first conversation, please welcome Delta VP of Loyalty, Prashant Sharma, in conversation with Skift Editor-at-Large, Brian Summers. Thank you. Hi, Prashant. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. And uh, hello to everyone uh, attending this uh, conference virtually. I'm looking forward to this discussion. As you know, I'm here in my mother-in-law's uh, house in uh, Atlanta. Uh, I love the tchotchkes behind me. Looking forward to getting going and uh, flying back uh, to LA on Delta today. So excited about that. Great, great. Welcome to our hometown. Thank you. Uh, so uh, first question for you. Uh, I was taking a look at your earnings call uh, from mm -hmm. recently, from the first quarter. Uh, one of your executives said you had more people sign up for the Sky Miles program in the first quarter of this year than in the history of the program. Okay. Who are these people? I mean, I was under the, the the impression that these were saturated programs and everybody who was going to be in them were going to be in them, except my children who would join when they would be born. Where are these new people coming from? Well, thanks, Brian, for the question. And, uh, you know, we are uh, very excited and also uh, humbled by the fact that, you know, customers across the country continue to believe uh, in our airline and in our program and are joining at record numbers. And so really, uh, you know, there is no uh, one answer to your question. What we feel great about is that uh, these are customers that cut across, uh, uh, you know, various uh, uh, demographics, various geographies. We are seeing a strong enrollment across the country. Obviously, we tend to see uh, higher numbers in uh, markets where we have always been strong, which are our hubs. But we're also seeing uh, a large number of these customers join us from uh, cities outside of our core hubs. Uh, you know, we are increasingly seeing customers joining us through digital channels. And so our investments in those channels over the years and making it easy to understand and join the program is making a big difference. The one thing I would say is over the course of the pandemic, uh, we saw a higher proportion uh, of not only digital channels, but younger customers joining the program. You know, we like all customers, uh, but the fact that we continue to appeal uh, to the emerging travelers is exciting for us. It also is a bit of a reflection of who was traveling more often, particularly during the earlier stages of the pandemic. Uh, and as more and more people have started getting comfortable with travel, we are beginning to see some of that normalize. All right. And is the end game to get them the, that American Express branded credit card? Or what, um, what is the end game? You know, uh, our focus is uh, to really understand these customers and engage with them the way they want to engage with us. Uh, ultimately, we want to be their trusted partner uh, when it comes to travel, which is the business we are in. What we do see, uh, and I wouldn't call it the end game, but uh, a great validation of their trust in Delta and their desire to deepen their relationship with us tends to be getting the co-brand card. So what that means is they are willing to now uh, vote with their wallet. Uh, they're willing to make that a choice versus so many other credit card products that might be available to them because they believe in earning our currency. They believe in earning the benefits that come when they travel with Delta. So we definitely like that milestone. Uh, but we feel that we have a lot to offer to customers who may want to engage with us mainly through flying or increasingly with some of our other partners, like the long-term partnership we've had with Lyft or the more recent partnership we announced with Instacart, which is another way to engage with our brand when they're not flying with us. 
So have you had to make some whole scale changes to the program as the mix of travelers has changed? Uh, we've heard that business travel is coming back, but it's not the way it was. You're getting more leisure travelers. <clears throat> How has the program changed to accommodate them? That's a great question, Brian. So, you know, um, let me say a couple of things. First of all, you know, some of this is evolving as we speak. So the good news is business travel is coming back at this point. It's hard to say uh, how long will it take for it to be 100% back or will it look very similar to what it was before. But, you know, the good news is people are beginning to do that and we are seeing strength there. The other thing I would say, Brian, is uh, as we are hopefully getting to the other side of the pandemic, uh, we are seeing that a lot of the things customers value are still quite similar to what they did before the pandemic. So, you know, they obviously want good value and will want to be rewarded for their business. They want, uh, you know, the destination that they want to go to. They're looking for a good onboard experience, a good service. So where I'm going with that is a lot of those things line up with where we've always focused in the past. Uh, and as when it comes to the loyalty program, what it means is uh, a number of benefits and assets that we have cultivated over the years remain very relevant for these customers. So I want to start there, that we're starting from a very strong foundation. Now, as we talked about some of the trends just before our discussion here, um, you know, we are seeing some trends either emerging or accelerating. Some of them may be temporary, some of them may be long-term. And our goal is to listen to customers and adapt accordingly. So one thing that you mentioned is uh, there is definitely a significantly higher desire to invest uh, in experiences than there was even before the pandemic. And it was a trend that was growing. But when it comes to leisure travel and really investing in uh, having a better experience, customers seem to be coming back with a stronger desire, particularly because they were constrained for almost a couple of years. And so that's one example where, you know, we definitely feel a lot of existing elements of the program help with that. But we have made, uh, you know, for more changes to make sure customers get even more value. One example is what we recently announced uh, as a permanent feature of our program is that when you're tra traveling on award travel, you can continue to earn towards status. Uh, we are the first airline here to do that. And we feel it's a great way to reward customers who use awards to usually travel on leisure to continue to use that to continue to earn status with us. Another example is we took away, took away the mileage cap uh, on 75,000 miles that we used to have uh, on one particular flight. And again, that's just one small way to recognize customers who are investing in themselves and taking a long haul premium flight and making sure that they feel rewarded for their spend. But there are a couple of other things that we think actually fulfill uh, that ambition for a better personal experience today. So, uh, you know, one of the things we launched before the pandemic, but it has actually remained very popular and is growing in demand is our ability to uh, customers ability to use miles to upgrade their ticket from main cabin to comfort plus or comfort plus to first class. And we've seen demand for that last month actually at a record level, even more so than it was before the pandemic. So that's one more way to use your miles to just up upgrade your experience when you're traveling either for personal or business travel. Another example, which I'm very proud of, uh, is working with our partners at American Express. 
We recently launched an ability to buy now, pay later using the planet feature that Amex has, which is one more way for customers to get some more convenience and flexibility in how they pay and get a better experience when they're flying with us. Uh, we've also made some other changes, Brian, uh, for example, ability to use your global upgrade certificates on award travel, because we think that's, you know, definitely more relevant now than it ever was before. Uh, so that's one example of how, you know, we have evolved and will continue to think uh, about where customers are going. And another area which I would quickly highlight is, uh, you know, what we have seen accelerating is a desire for flexibility and convenience. Uh, again, it was a trend before the pandemic. It probably accelerated you know, during this period. And so we've taken some steps in that space as well. Uh, of course, a big one is making it easier to make changes to whether it's a cash flight or an award flight. And you know, we've made those changes permanent where you can change your flight and redeposit your miles at any time. Uh, we've also, uh, made it easier to, uh, through our digital app, uh, providing more information in a timely manner, both before and during the flight, so customers can have more control. And we're beginning to expand uh, the utility of some of our assets, whether it's, uh, you know, upgrade certificates, you can see them as to where they're available and use that as you're planning for your trip. That's another example of kind of things we have done. Uh, and finally, uh, sorry, the last piece I would say is kind of personalization. Uh, we have seen a growing expectation from customers that we understand them and recognize them. And this is a journey we are on, but we're trying to get better at capturing their preferences and then therefore offering them whether it's the right award deals or whether it's recognizing their preferences when it comes to seats. So we won't upgrade them if only a middle seat is available, if that's not what they want. Or we will try to block uh, three seats together if they're fl flying with you know, family or friends. And so those are the kinds of things which are behind the scenes, but demonstrate our ability to understand them better. Thank you. Uh, lots of value in there that you outlined. Uh, you know that I'm gonna give you a hard time about something because in our uh, pre-call, I did as well. Right. Uh, actually using the miles on Delta, yeah. redeeming, mm -hmm. it's harder than other airlines. I like a business class redemption. I can generally do it on American, one way to Europe for 57.5 thousand miles on United, 60,000 miles. I go to delta.com and my eyes, they pop out of my head. It's a good deal if it's $200,000 each way. We talked about this before, why does Delta do it a little bit differently? Why are there so few deals to be had on Delta? Uh, so, Brian, what I would say is, you know, uh, I won't talk about specific pricing as we try to uh, stay away from that, as you know. Uh, but I will uh, assert that we take very seriously that customers see value in the program. And the value is very holistic. A large portion of that, for sure, is using your miles to fly, which is the promise of joining the program. And we feel uh, confident that as we look at uh, where customers are flying and their ability to use the miles, uh, we are actually seeing that approach 2019 levels in terms of how customers are using their miles to fly. So the demand remains high. It's also validated by the fact that customers are not only joining the program at record levels, but also taking a co-brand at record levels, which is further faith that this is the currency they want to earn. 
so we look at the value you know holistically we feel uh, very good about what we are offering to customers we continue to solicit feedback and satisfaction with the ability to redeem miles and the value of redeeming miles and then we go beyond award travel as i mentioned earlier to make it usable for you know upgrades uh, or find other opportunities to earn miles in your everyday spend whether it's through partnerships or through our co-brand card all right, thank you. So, so later today, uh, I'm going to interview uh, Mark Nasser, who runs the program at Air Canada. Mark and I have spoken at length about this idea of arbitrage. He has a new program. He wants to get people excited about it, and he has purposely put in. He told me arbitrage opportunities so customers can feel like they're getting one over on the airline. He knows what they are. Customers aren't really winning, but they think they're winning. We spoke about arbitrage before. You have a slightly different view of it, right? Yeah, I mean, by the way, please convey my regards to Mark. Uh, but uh, what I would say, Brian, is, uh, you know, our focus here is to provide uh, consistent and uh, sustainable value where customers want to use the miles. And, uh, you know, so we are not necessarily trying to play the game uh, with customers or with bloggers. I mean, we want to be there. So we listen to what customers want and we try to offer that uh, with compelling value across the board. And that's been our focus. And we look at value obviously more holistically as well. Uh, mileage redemption is a big portion of it, but also just everything else that Delta can provide in terms of the experience and making them come back to us. So that's how we feel about it. Uh, we definitely, one thing I would highlight though uh, is um, you know, going back to my personalization comment, one of the things we have done for some time now is based on customers' residence and based on uh, their preferences, we do tar target them with great deals and offers that they can take advantage of. So just one example, you know, in March last month, uh, we had offers for customers living in New York where they could do a round trip to Europe, for example, for 34000 miles in main cabin, or they could go to Miami uh, for 15,000 miles round trip in main cabin. So, so we continue to have opportunities for customers, uh, depending on where they want to go and when they want to go. And uh, that will remain important to us. And, and, and these, um, these deals, are they actually uh, personalized to individual members in New York? Or can anybody who goes to Delta.com sign up for them? So we, um, so we do uh, aim to personalize and customize these deals. Uh, and so we try to, uh, you know, over time, and this is the journey, we're getting better and better at understanding our customers. Uh, but these deals would be for customers who are flying from New York to a particular destination, uh, for example, in this case. Uh, but we continue to evaluate opportunities, you know, based on geography or based on what you may have told us about your preferences in terms of destinations. And is that, is that generally uh, doing a, a good job of using what you expect will be spoiled inventory? Or is there a marketing and loyalty reason to do it and you're not so worried yeah. about giving away seats that you might sell? Yeah, no, we are not worried about uh, spoiled inventory. As you likely know, we moved to kind of last seat availability on our redemptions a long time ago. So we truly believe that miles are our customers' valuable currency, just like cash, and they should have the opportunity to use it. 
Uh, and so these are ways where, you know, we want to provide them value when they want it and where they want it. And that's how we approach it. Thank you. Uh, we have an audience question that I'm seeing on my screen at the bottom here. I think you see it as well from, from James, which is kind of interesting. Uh, let's talk about breakage for a moment. And the question is, will someone discuss breakage? How many points do suppliers expect will expire? And uh, this this person says, among other things, this is indicative of usage and customer value. Yeah. So, you know, what might actually surprise you, uh, Brian and James, is uh, despite being a former banker, it's actually interesting that I don't even know what our breakage number is. And where I'm going with that is that hopefully tells you that it's not at all a focus uh, for us. We are in the business of building long-term loyalty with these customers, and we would be very happy for them to find ways to use their miles and actually delight because we think that true value is, as we talked about earlier, them investing further with us in flying more, more often, more premium, getting our co-brand card. So breakage obviously does happen. The number is not zero, but honestly, I couldn't tell you what it is. Uh, but it's not a focus. It's not how we optimize the business. And we would be very happy for our customers to use their minds. Great. Thank you. And another question from an audience member uh, who also happens to be my colleague, Dennis Shaw. Dennis, thank you for the question. Uh, is there anything loyalty programs can do to incentivize sustainable travel? Yeah. No, and I heard that as a trend earlier on. So the answer is yes. Uh, what I would say from a Delta point of view is we are in the process of understanding exactly what would make a meaningful difference to our members and how can we have the most impact. As uh, many of the folks in the audience may know, Delta as an airline takes this extremely seriously. Uh, so we are now carbon neutral, but we are not stopping there. We want to continue our path on sustainability. We're actually the first airline globally to hire a chief sustainability officer reporting directly to our CEO, Ed. And so that demonstrates our commitment. We are in the process of looking at how can we have the biggest impact? You know, there are certainly examples we have evaluated in Europe and other parts of the world, and we are beginning to develop our own opinion as to how both not only Delta, but how can we involve our members in having a meaningful impact on this uh, important priority for our planet? I mean, does it improve sustainability if you can get people to uh, redeem their sky miles for things besides air travel? Um, you know, so um, first of all, you know, we want to make air travel as sustainable as possible. So that's one. But, you know, there is opportunity uh, for customers, for example, today uh, to donate their miles to organizations which are furthering sustainability, whether in the U.S. or globally. Um, and, uh, you know, we are looking at how we can continue to be innovative in that space. One small example, which I'm proud of, and again, you know, it's one small step, is partnering with American Express. We recently uh, changed our credit cards to sustainable recycled ocean plastic, uh, which we are very proud of. It's uh, Amex is a leader in this space. And so that's one example to demonstrate that we are making a difference. Of course, there is so much more to do for the world and for us. And uh, we are continuing to look at what can be the best way to have an impact. All right. Thank you, Prashant. Uh, we are almost out of time. Uh, but as we finish here for my last question, I'm going to try to get you on the record with something very, very important to me and mm -hmm. other frequent flyers. Now, as you know, uh, I am loyal to another airline and not Delta, but I'm still curious about this. 
this has to be the end of frequent flyers getting their 2019 status renewed, right? Are we going to keep doing this year by year, or am I still going to be living with my status that I got years and years ago? Uh, so, Brian, first of all, uh, I hope you make the right choice and make us your preferred airline. I think, uh, you know, you will see the difference very quickly. Uh, you know, uh, first of all, we've been very happy in being proactive, not only in 2020, but last year in extending status. Uh, what I would say is if we will continue to evaluate, we want to make sure our valuable members feel like we have their back and that as they're ready to travel, uh, they have the access to the benefits they're used to. At this point, you know, I won't make a commitment uh, one way or the other, uh, but uh, we are very committed to uh, ensuring that customers feel valued. One example I will just throw out is, you know, one, one thing that's unique about our program is we have the MQM rollovers which we actually rolled over for two continuous years. So we feel very good that a lot of our members, because of that and because of the benefits we have on some of our co-brand cards, already have a significant head start to achieving status by the end of the year. But that will not apply to every member, and we will evaluate that and figure out what the right approach is to make sure that as they're coming back to travel, they're ready, and we are ready to receive them. Thank you. You know what the bloggers say? When everyone's an elite, no one's an elite, right? No, I I, I understand the comment. Uh, first of all, you know we uh, value all our elites, and we are very committed to delivering them uh, the experience that they are signing up for. So it's something we monitor quite closely. Uh, one example of where we tried to make sure that we were differentiating those who were truly committing themselves to us even last year by traveling with us is we gave them a higher priority and choice benefits versus those for whom we extended status. And not to say that we don't value the other group, but we wanted to provide an added benefit to this group. And we'll continue to evaluate those uh, opportunities. And another thing I would highlight is if you hear about Delta's product strategy and where we are going, our desire is to continue to invest in better facilities, better aircraft, and more premium seats. So we are cognizant of the fact that if we have more elites, which we are very fortunate to have, then we need to deliver the experience they expect. Thank you, uh, Prashat. I appreciate it. My two-year-old is at my feet right now, so that must mean it's time to go. Uh, I appreciate the time. Thank you, Brian, and thank you, everyone.